For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, the present, the future, no powers or heights, nor depth or any other created thing can separate us from his love. And you wonder why I sing. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes is on the sparrow. I know he watching me. I'm not done. We teach it in Hosea. We'll end in chapter 3. The study of love. We call it loveology. You can clap now. Let's go. Let's go, right? Hey, um, this is my third one, and I want to make sure nothing is, is shortcutted or anything. So let me take a quick moment to just give this over to God real quick. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you've already done. We have seen a move of you this morning. Father, I am not enough unless you come. Father, will you meet me here again for the third time this morning, but for the first time for some of those who have walked through these doors or who are online. Father, we just want you to remove me so they see you, Father, so that they understand your love, so that they can walk out of here challenged and changed and convicted to do something with that, to love the way that you've loved us. It's in Jesus Christ name we pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, Mercy Row. Y'all supposed to say good morning, Rashad. Good morning, Mercy Row. My name is Rashad. I'm the pastor here, one of the pastors, the teaching and community pastor. I am thankful for everybody who's made it into these walls, into this place. We don't think it's because we're special. We don't think it's the lights or the great singing that we heard or even me or anything. We think it's because God wanted you here, whether you're in the room or whether you're online. Give it up for the online family. Like, give no golf clap. Give it up for the online family, right? Thank you, online family, Nathan and Allie and all of you. Um, but we're thankful that you're here. And this morning, I get the privilege to teach to you about the love of God. Now, I want to be honest with you. Like, when I first heard about us doing Loveology and it's starting on Valentine's Day, I was like, that's corny. I, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, team mercy, but yeah. And as we got closer and closer, I started asking God, how can I speak this in a way that's not corny, not gimmicky, but actually will pierce some hearts this morning? And he led me to teach this passage out of Hosea. Now, I, I want to start off by saying, well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody, because y'all might not like me after this, so happy Valentine's Day. How you doing, right? And speaking of Valentine's Day, uh, yesterday, I took my wife to a Valentine's Day lunch. I was trying to be Casanova, y'all. Right. I see the day earlier, I, I sat down with a brother one on one, one of the members here, and we were at this place called Thai District. Right. And Thai District, I, I don't, I've never really done Thai, so I'm sitting at Thai District. And while I'm sitting with him, there's this other person who ordered this thing called Volcano Chicken. And I heard it. It was sizzling. And I, and I saw it and it looked good. And I was like, man, but our conversation was over. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring my wife back and I'm going to impress her and act like I know what I'm doing. Right. And so that just happened to be yesterday. Yesterday, I'm like, hey, babe, let's go to, you know, we're going to be preaching tomorrow, so let's, let's do Valentine's today. And see, we went and we're in Brownsburg, and we go to this place called Todd District, and I walk her in through the back, and like I own the place, like pointing to people I don't even know, right? <laughs> and uh, get to the, we get to our seat, and we're sitting down, and I'm like, uh, we don't even need menus, because uh, I know what we're getting, right? So I look at him, I'm like, man, give us the little special soup stuff that you, that you had yesterday. He's like, what special soup stuff? I'm like, you know the little special soup stuff? He's like, chicken noodle soup? And I'm like, oh, that's what that was? Uh, yeah, 
Never mind, forget that, because that was only on, on lunch for the weekdays. I didn't know that, but I thought I knew something, right? So I was like, you know what? Forget that. G- give us two volcano chickens, one for her, one for me. We don't need the menus. We don't need the menus. I know what I'm doing, right? Trying to impress my wife, right? And so we're talking, and they bring out the first volcano chicken. And it's, it's a lot of chicken, so I thought it was for both of us. And, and, and they sit it there, and it's sizzling like it sounded the day before, and, and it looks good. I'm like, see, baby, I told you I got this. I got this. And then the waitress comes out, and she pours the volcano sauce. I didn't know they poured the volcano sauce on it. And, and she poured the sauce on, and woof, it was a campfire. And I mean, the smoke that was in my wife's face, like the whole, it was supposed to be this intimate moment. And she's like, like, I can't see her no more. And, and she's like, what, what is this? And five minutes later, five minutes later, the smoke is gone. I was like, my bad. I, I didn't know. Right. Like I saw this yesterday, but I didn't know. And so I moved the plate to the middle because I figured this is both of our orders together. And as soon, she goes, Rashad, is this just for me? I said, no, nah, girl, that's for both of us. We see how much chickens on that plate. And here came my waiter with another plate of volcano chicken that I didn't even know about. And she looked at me. I said, I didn't know. I thought I knew, but I didn't know. And then he goes, here's the best part. He pours more volcano sauce on the chicken. And the way that the ventilation works, it went right back in her face. And just woof, just woof. And so I'm like, this, this is not what I had in mind. I thought I knew because I saw it from a distance. And I looked, but I didn't know because I hadn't experienced it. And what does that got to do with this sermon? Well, we're talking about God's love. And some of you online and here in the room, you think you know because you've heard. You may have seen from a distance. You've been coming here week after week, and we talk about it every week. And, and, and I'm just asking, no matter what you think you know or how long you've been a Christian or whatever you know, I'm asking that you don't treat this the way I treated the volcano chicken, that you wait until you experience the message that God has for you today, that God has for me this week, that has changed my life. And I've been preaching about God's love for five years now. And it hit me a new way this week. So I ask that you give me your full attention. And all these things, we're going to hop into Hosea. And there's a lot of ways that, uh, like, scholars fight over some of the details. I'm just going to read you a story. We can deal with it. If you you got a problem with some of the details, talk to me. I got plenty of study that we can look through during the week. But this is not the time for that. I just want to talk to your hearts about God's love, okay? So we're going to be in the book of Hosea, and I'm going to give you some context first to get to where we're going to start off at. Hosea is a prophet. A prophet is a messenger of God, chosen by God just because God chose him. And in this specific prophecy of Hosea, what happens is um, there's these things called illustrations. What you just heard was an illustration about me and my wife going to lunch, and and I, I made it teach something else as I was telling the story. Well, Hosea is a living illustration. God has chose Hosea to show his people his love for them despite their adultery or spiritual adultery. So he chooses Hosea and he says, Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman. For those of you who don't know what promiscuous means, it means she get around. All right. That's the PG version. She get around. Okay. Go marry a promiscuous woman. And I think this is important because when we, t- when we tend to talk about God's love, we tend to want to define it away, right? We're like, hey, there's four words in the Greek. There's eros, which means erotic. There's, there's phileo, which means brotherly or brother love. There's storge, which is a parental love. And then there's agape. But even agape can be used in a way to talk about having a, su- a self-sacrificing, uh, self-sacrificing love for something else that's not God. So like agape is a good word. But it's not the only word. And the Hebrew has a better word. It has this word called hesed, which is like a commitment, a a loving kindness commitment. But uh, 
When God wants to define his love, when, he, when God's definition for his love is always displayed through his demonstration of his love. So me, I wanted to look and find a demonstration of his love, and I got to this place where he looks at Hosea and says, Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman so that Israel can see what my love is like for them and who they are. So, so Hosea goes and marries this woman named Gomer. Gomer is what they call her, but I think a Gomer pile, so I'm going to say Gomer, okay? And, and what happens is, what happens is, Hosea represents God, and Gomer represents the Israelites or even the church today. And they get married, and they have a child. They have the first child. The Bible says that, they, that she conceives him, specifically Hosea, a child, and names the child Jezreel, which means to scatter. Now, can you imagine Jezreel saying, Dad, why would you name me to scatter? Right? And it was because it, this is the prophecy. This is what's going to happen to the people. I'm going to scatter the people because of their disobedience. But perhaps Hosea was like, I, you know, because you're going to go far and wide. And, you know, trying to make it sound good. But it was for Israel. Then it goes on in chapter 1 and it says that, that Gomer gave birth to another child. But it doesn't necessarily say that it was Hosea's. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, put him on Maury Povic and are you the father? Are you not the father? Like, that's not my place. But what I'm saying is it doesn't say for sure that the child is Hosea's. And the only reason that we would doubt it from our perspective is because she's promiscuous. And it's similar to the Israelites, right? Like, there are people who are claiming to be God's child. There's people in the church who claim to be God's child. But when we look at the behavior of the people, we're not sure if it's his. That should say, ouch, say, ouch. <laughs> yeah. And so what happens is he, that she has this daughter, and the daughter's name is Lo-Ruamah. Lo-Ruamah means no mercy. Once again, prophecy for the Israelite people. Daddy, why'd you name me no rule ma? Girl, because the world, you're going to have no mercy for the world. You go get them, girl, right? Like, huh? But this final child is the one that got me. God says, name your final child, your baby boy, your son, lo ami. And lo ami means not my people or not mine. Could you imagine? Hey, Dad, I, I just found out that my name means not mine. What does that mean? <laughs> like, Why'd you name me not mine? But once again, he's saying something to the people. And I actually think that one perhaps was not his, but it doesn't say we don't know. But she was promiscuous, so we have these assumptions. The story goes on, and we get to chapter 2. Chapter 2, he rebukes her as a mother and says that you've made these children a harlotry. And then where we're, where we're going to start this story and where I'm going to talk to you about God's love is in Hosea 2.5. Hosea 2.5. So in Hosea 2.5, I want to read it off of here. So I'm, I'm kind of, a lot of you read the NIV. I want to read the NIV off the screen. Hosea 2.5 is where we're going to start. And it says, their mother had been unfaithful. This is Gomer. This is Israel. This is the church in some cases. And has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water and my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. In other words, my, my food, my water, that's, that's my water, my wool and my linen, my clothing, my oil and my drink is like my pleasure. My pleasure is stuff, right? And, and this is what she sees them as. I, I, I know you've been faithful, Hosea, but there's something that, that, that causes me to want to be promiscuous with these others. Now, what causes somebody to want to be promiscuous? There's a couple of things I came to a conclusion of. First, sometimes the relationship is just too plain. It's not that Hosea had cheated. It's not that he was bad. He was just plain, and so she got to this place where she's like, I, I just need more. You're, you're not bad. You've, you're faithful. You provide. I just, I need more. But then also there's pleasure. I just want more. 
It's not that you're bad. It's not that you're not faithful. I just want more. And sometimes it's pride. Hosea, did you know before you, all the men in the town wanted me and I gave myself to you, I deserve more. So I, I, I need more, I want more, I deserve more. And this is what leads her to chase after others that she says is providing for them. Sound familiar? Because this is the Israelites. We need more, we want more, we deserve more. This is the church. We need more, we want more, we deserve more. And so we go chase after other gods. Sometimes it's education, we need more. Sometimes it's our salaries, we want more. And all these things that we chase after thinking that it's what provides for us, right? I need more food. I need more drink. I need more clothing and more, more of the special stuff. And so we, we cheat on God the way Israel cheated on God, the way Gomer cheated on Hosea. Now, look at this. Look at this, Hosea 2.6. Look how he responds. He says, therefore, because that's what she wants to do is chase after others, Remember, he's, he's speaking on behalf of God, but he's living this through his life. He says, I will block her path with thorn, brushes, with thorn bushes, but the word there's actually like a hedge of protection. Has anybody had somebody pray for a hedge of protection over them? Anybody? Been like, I'm, okay, okay, check this out. I pray over you a hedge of protection. We're like, oh, thank you, right? And so we think, we think, check it out. Yeah, you love it. You know where I'm going. We, we think, praise God. And, and so there's, there's a hedge of protection thorn bushes, and it's going to keep people on the outside from getting in, right, sis? And so, like, it's, it's like, yes, thank you for praying that, but here's the other side of that. Those thorns are for you. <laughs> they for you, too. It's to keep them on the outside from getting in, but as you walk in on the straight and narrow path, as you walk in to be in the presence of your Savior, you are walking, and somebody says, I pray a hedge of protection on the sides of you and behind you so that if you try to get off the path to the left, to the left, to the right, to the right, you're going to hit a thorn or two, and you're going to experience something that keeps you on the straight and narrow. That's a hedge of protection. But see, when you... When you hit that thorn, you feel pain, and you don't know how to acknowledge that pain is love. So what was put there to help you repent and stay on the path to be with your husband, you don't repent, you resent. Why would you put this, these thorns around me and this wall around me to keep me on the straight and narrow, to keep me from chasing after what I deserve, what I need, what I want? And God says, because I love you. The pain is love. It's protection. I love you. He even says in Hosea 2.6, look at this. I mean, in Hosea 2.7, he even says this. He says, she will chase after her lovers but not catch them. And she will look for them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as his first, for then I was better off than now. In other words, this pain is not worth it. I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow. I'm going to stay with my husband. But that didn't work. She didn't repent. She was resentful. So instead, she fought through self-inflicted suffering. She jumped the wall, and she went to be with him. Now, let's contextualize this a little bit. Like, I'm going to bring it out. For those of you who are Bible scholars, you could talk to me during the week. I could tell you all the details, but let's make it a little more here today. Let's imagine that Jose and Gomer live in Carmel, have a nice little place, a nice, just, just good enough place, and she is left 
Hosea to go live at a crack house. Because that's, that's what the enemy's kingdom is equivalent to. It's a crack house. It's a trap house. It's nothing, right? And so she's living there, and, and, and this is what happens. Hosea drives past that house, man, right? And he sees, and he knows who lives there. He knows the accuser. He knows the enemy. He knows who she's with. He knows where she's at. And as he looks at this house, he's like, there's no way that this person can provide for my wife. But this is what she's chosen willingly. This is what she's chosen. And he drives by, and his love for her, his love for her makes him week after week roll over to Walmart, buy some groceries, sis, go over to Kohl's, pick up some clothes, pick up some things that she don't even need, that she just wants. And he comes and he knocks on the door. Man comes to the door. Hey, how can I help you? Hey, man, um, is, is Gomer here? Yeah, is she here with you? What you want? Like speaking as if he owns her. He says, Hosea's like, I, I got these groceries and these clothes. I know... I see your circumstances, man. I know you can't provide. He's like, why do you care? It's my wife. It's my wife. And I know you can't provide for her, and I know she's willingly chose to be here, but I, I don't want to see her without, so can you ensure she gets these? This food is for her. These clothes are for her. Here's even some things that I know she don't need, but she like. And can you make sure she gets this and she knows it's from me? Make sure she knows it's from me. He takes it, closes the door. Hosea goes back to the car. We're just going to call it a car. And he looks through that window. She thinks it's Uber Eats or <laughs> wash, like, like Walmart, like delivering something, right? She, 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 she thinks that this fake, false lover has ordered this and had it delivered. So she praises him. She, he's looking through the window, and she's cooking the food that he brought for her for him and wearing the clothes for him and enjoying the special stuff with him. This is the love of God when he's looking at us as we choose others other than him. You see, you woke up this morning, you got here, you think that was your alarm clock? That was the breath of God. He woke you up. You think you got here because of your nice whip? That was the breath of God. God protected you. He's the one that got you through this door, but we credit it to everything else but the creator. Everything else but the creator. We love the creation and won't give any credit to the creator. Instead, we take the creation and we put it in the creator's place and say, my education is why I'm living in Carmel. My salary, my this is why I live in America. My that. And we give it to all these things instead of looking at God and saying, thank you for taking care of me even when I don't look at you. Right? So he drops it off and he sees it and sees that she's giving all the credit, all the credit to her lover who's lying to her because that's what Satan does. That's what the flesh does. That's what sin does. It lies to you and makes you think that the things that disobey God are actually the things that are putting you in the place that you're in. It's not. 
You're not alive because of sin. You're alive because of God. You don't have because of sin. You have because of God. And so Hosea says, you know what? Hosea 2.8, look at this. It says, she, she, she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil. I was the one who lavished on her the silver and gold which she used for her other lover, Bell. So what does he say to himself? Look at this, 2.9. He says, therefore, because of that, since she won't see as me, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her naked body. I'm going to stop supplying her, not because I hate her, but because I love her. If she thinks it's this other false source, this other false lover, this other thing, I will remove anything that makes her think he's providing. So hopefully she will see it was me this entire time. At some point, she won't be eating what she used to eat. She won't be wearing what she used to wear. At some point, I pray she would come to the conclusion that it was better when I was with my husband or perhaps she found out, oh, you mean the whole time you was lying to me, fake lover, and it was God or it was Hosea that was bringing stuff to the house? And that should cause her to repent. But you know what we do when God punishes us? Because he loves us and takes stuff away that we want, we don't repent, we resent. We remain in the house with the other lover, laying down and, and how could he do this to me if he truly loved me? How could he take away my food? How could he take away my shelter? How could he take away my job? How could he make my education worthless? How could COVID hit? How could, the, you name it. We start resenting him instead of repenting to him. Not realizing that the punishment was simply, was simply because he loves you. He loves you that much that he would even take it all away so you recognize who the source is. Not the one you're living with. So time goes by. And now everybody is talking to Hosea about his girl. Man, you hear about Gomer, man? Like, I, I hate to tell you, bro, but she ain't even just promiscuous no more. She a prostitute. Yeah, this, this lover is now using her the same way sin wants to use you, the same way Satan wants to use you, the same way the world just wants to use you. You're just a commodity to the world. You're just an object to the world. And so now, some years have passed, and everybody knows about Gomer. Everybody been around Gomer. Hosea chapter 3 comes, and this is what it tells us. Look at this. In Hosea chapter 3, the Lord said to Hosea, go show your love to your wife. Don't describe it. Don't define it. Go show your love to your wife. Though she's loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love sacred raisin cakes. What are raisin cakes? Just imagine taking Chick-fil-A and giving it to another god when it's Jesus chicken, right? <laughs> Had to break the tension. I'm sorry. All right. But let's get, let's get back. He says, go show your love, right, to a woman to a woman that's your wife, and, and she's loved by another man, and, and she's an adulteress, but you go show your love. So what does that look like? Verse 2, look at this. This is what it looks like. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. 
So we know whether she's a prostitute, a sex slave, sex trafficking, whether she's a concubine or whatever it is, she belongs to somebody else now. Even though she is rightfully Hosea's, somehow, someway, she is now enslaved to somebody else. Can you imagine what Hosea felt in this moment? To show the love of God, I have to go knock on this man's door again? That man comes to the door, he knows him by name now. Maddie knows him by name now. Hey, what up, Hosea? What you want? Is Gomer here? Yeah, 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 she, she in the back. My, my, my woman is in the back. Yeah, um, how much? How much what? How, how much? Oh, you, you want to, no, 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 no. How much to buy back what belongs to me? You see, God is your creator. You belong to him. But you have willingly given yourself over to the world. But God's love says how much to buy you back, even though you already belong to him. He looks at the man and says, I will pay whatever it costs to have him back, to have her back. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I will pay. Whatever it takes. That price, that 15 shekels and a, and a homer and a half of barley, that was the same price for a slave in its context. How much? This is the love of God. Who does that? Huh? Who does that? Who knocks on that door when there's nothing that the person he's knocking for can offer him anything? When she's willingly given herself to everything and everybody, the humiliation it takes to empty himself and knock on that door and say how much to buy back what's mine. Can you see how he sees you and I? Because I don't care if you were saved when you were six or when you were 60. I don't care if you've only told a white lie or if you have committed adultery yourself. Everybody in this room has been Gomer at some point. This is why we say nobody's too far to be discipled into a passionate relationship with Christ. This is why we say this is a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. This is where that language comes from. Everybody in here, no matter what you think about yourself, you've been Gomer, and God has seen you, all of you, the deepest, darkest secrets about you, and he still says, how much? He still pays whatever it costs, and it cost him his only begotten son. Not, not 15 shekels, not some barley, his son, Jesus, on the cross for you. Now pause it real quick, pause it, just pause it real quick. You've been watching this story from Hosea's perspective, right? But have you ever thought about Gomer's perspective? Let's just go back to that house. Let's just go back to that moment. James, James. Gomer is in a, in, a, in a room, right? And every time she hears a knock on that door, it's just another John. It's just another addiction. It's just another opportunity to sin against her Lord. It's just another, it's just another time to cheat on her husband. It's just, a, it's just it's, it's, these, it's these things and these people, these places. It's, it's these salaries. It's this entertainment. It's all these things that, that want us to disobey God. It's knocking at that door. And every time he knocks at the door, it just wants to use her. 
She's got to a place when, when he took away the provision, the enemy lied and said, well, you need to make a way out of no way since he's not making a way out of no way. And you need to figure it out. And so now here she is. This is all she thinks she can do is offer herself to the world, to other gods, to other things. So every knock for her is just another John. But this knock, this day, this day she hears a knock and she thinks that she has to prepare herself, Meg, right? She has, to, she has to get herself ready for this next John. And she hears this familiar voice, Megan, this familiar voice. It's her husband. It's her husband. What's Hosea doing here, y'all? Because, because if, I, if, I, if I just examine my life, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I have nothing to offer him. I have nothing to give. I can't get myself together. I've tried to stop. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. But she hears his voice, and so, and so she stops thinking for a moment just to hear the conversation between him and the pimp or him and the world and whatever, him and the accuser. And the accuser is out there accusing you, accusing me, saying, do you know, Hosea, where she's been? Do you know what she has done? Do you know how she's viewed by society? You, you want to buy her back for what? She's not, I'm trying to save you your time, your money. She will never change, bro. She'll come right back. And he says, she hears him say, she's mine and I love her. I don't care what you tell me about her. I love her. I'm committed to her. And I will pay anything to have her back. I want you to think about that because maybe you haven't been on that side of a bad relationship or been, or maybe you think you're too good to be Gomer. Well, I'm not. I cheated on my wife. I met my wife in 99 and I cheated on her every time all through high school. And then when I got back from the Navy, I, I, I married that woman and I cheated on her every time, I, every opportunity I got after that until, until finally I surrendered my life to Christ. And, 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 but even then, but even then, listen to me, as she, as she loved me and she had forgiven me and she told me that she's past all that, I sabotaged myself. I, I couldn't believe that she could possibly love me after all I've done to her. So I know what Gomer was thinking. And I know some of you in this room are thinking the same thing. Some of you online are thinking the same thing. I'm not enough. I can't change. I'll never be able to give it up. He could never love somebody like me. My mama don't like me. My spouse don't like me. My children don't like me, man. How could he be here knocking on the door for me? But see, that's where this is. That's where this ends. Because that's somebody in this room if not everybody in this room. I know it's been me this week, and this is what happens. He, he could pay the price. Scratch that. He paid the price for you to be free to leave that house, to come home. And he looks at her and says, Gomer, I've, I've paid the price. You can come home. But she has to fight the voices in her head Voices of her flesh, voices of the world, Satan, 
even church people sometimes. She has to fight the voices that tell her she's not worthy. She has to fight the voices that tell her she's not good enough so that she can come home. So I want you to think about that. I want to leave it right there because the song we're about to sing, the song we're about to sing, the opening words are, uh, uh, she's going to say, I keep hearing voices or fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. I know that fight. Do you know that fight? I know that fight. I fight it every day. I'm a pastor who sits up here and says, I, I, I messed up again, God. I'm not enough. I slipped up again, God. I'm not enough. Help me. I don't want, how could you still be loving me? How could I still have the privilege to preach this? I'm not even worthy to be up here right now, y'all. But he, every single time I open up his word or every single time I think about the gospel, you know what I hear? I hear this knock at the door and I hear the same voice, the same familiar voice saying, you are mine and I love you if you would just believe and come home. Come home. So I have to ask you this morning, no gimmicks, no emotional manipulation. I'm just being real with you. Will you be real with yourself? Will you come home? You belong to him. He created you but he was still willing to pay whatever it costs to have you come home. He's not going to force you. You have to choose to believe that the price has been paid and that the door is open for you to come home. Whether you remain in your seats or you, you drop it at what we call an altar, whether you go to a prayer room, whether it's in your car, whether it's when you're at work, whatever it is, he's calling on you. He's knocked at the door. He's paid the price. He's asking you to come home. I don't care what everybody else has told you. All these labels that the world has given to us to make us feel less of ourselves. There's no labels in Christ. The only label in Christ is his. You are his. And he loves you. Will you believe that this morning? And if you believe that this morning, then you give your life over to him and you don't return back to the crack house. You stay with him forever and ever, forever, ever, forever, ever. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for paying the price to free me to come home. Father, the way you've moved through this story, the way you've moved this morning, only you, Father. Only you could do it like this. Father, remove my antics. Remove my animation. Remove anything that gets in the way of the gospel message that your son has died on the cross for us. Father, while we were helpless, while we were ungodly, while we were sinners, while we were literally your enemies, Father, it was then and then that you demonstrated your love for me, for them and had your son die on the cross. You tell us in your word that you so loved us that you gave him your only begotten son so that anybody who would believe, who would come home, would not perish, but would have eternal life with you. 
I pray that somebody in this room this morning has heard that knock and that somebody has heard that voice and that, Father, they respond to the voice that says the price has been paid. You can come home. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In your precious son, Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen.